is how I know you're a, you're a dad of two, Chris. Like, you just had, like, five things handed to you, and you're like, no problem. I'm, like, struggling to carry my phone like a bottle. <laughs> Not for me, man. Um, so we're going to pass around the uh, offering real quick. I think Sean's got it with his Cleveland stuff going on. So I was talking uh, earlier to some people, uh, and I was talking to Ken, uh, and I said, today is going to be kind of, um, well, my buddy Dan's here, and he's Catholic, and so it's going to be kind of like a Catholic service. There's going to be no PowerPoint. Um, so I'm not going to make you kneel or anything like that, even though I think that's a great thing. It's an aspect of physically, wor- or physically worshiping God and not just mentally or emotionally. So that's, that's a good thing to be learned. Um, but the last time, if you recall, when I preached, um, our power supply just went out entirely. And I had spent like four hours on this PowerPoint because it was all like cerebral and stuff like that. So I had all these graphs. And then it ended up being just me like, okay, grab a napkin and try to write down what I'm saying and comprehend what's going on. Um, so this time, though, it is going to be completely on paper. Um, hopefully, uh, by God's grace, I can read my own handwriting because it's <laughs> awful now since I've been out of college for so long. Um, but we're going to be reading out of Galatians, and we're continuing on with this fruit of the Spirit aspect. And today, uh, I uh, was granted patience, and initially, I was really excited about this, because I was like, oh yeah, I preached about this loosely in John, and the idea that patience was derived from the, or at least our word for patience is derived from Latin, which means for, to suffer or long-suffering. So I was like, okay, I'm cool with this. And then, like, the last time I preached, like, this was a week of absolute me being impatient and not being patient at all. And then my definition of patient being challenged and pushed further. And then one of those moments where, like, I'm just mad and wrestling with God. And I'm like, okay, I'd write the stupid sermon and talk about you and stuff like that. Because there are. There's moments where, like, I'm not excited to talk to God. I'm not excited to tell people God. There's times I feel unequipped to even speak on him because of where I feel like I currently am walking with God. Uh, and then there's those moments where you start going through Scripture and then, the spirit and scripture starts speaking to you and there's just this grace and peace that just suppressed it all. And just this perspective of patience that I hadn't gathered before. So I'm hoping um, that I can articulate that today, um, that maybe that peace can be brought about in your guys' lives. As I, I mean, as we've known for the past month, it's been crazy from the new building and the stuff we've been working through with that to just personal lives, whether it's um, car wrecks or losing children or, I mean, serious things that aren't just, you just don't get over it in a day. You don't just wake up and be like, okay, this is okay. And you're not just going, you know what, God, thank you for that. That, that was awesome. You know, and, and so if anything, be encouraged to wrestle with God, pursue him, be like Jacob, not like me, but like Jacob in the Bible, <laughs> wrestle with him. Because um, he, he will end up showing you um, that peace. It'll probably end up in a hug and an embrace uh, instead of like a grapple, you know, but who knows? I mean, I, I feel like some people, a like, grapple might be better. But uh, So yeah, we're starting in uh, Galatians, and one of the first things that um, I like to do is um, we need to get a background or an idea of our context. I really can't speak on a passage if I don't have a context of what I'm talking about. Um, so something to know about Galatians is uh, the letter was used uh, in the 16th century as a dispassionate tract on justification. Um, so my question with that is, is it still today? And what I mean by that is Paul wrote it to correct other missionaries who questions his teachings. Um, so the, the time period in which this book was written is still debated. Um, was it uh, during, you know, uh, the second missionary journey of Paul, third missionary journey of Paul? Was it after Paul, you know, had left kind of then? Um, most scholars would agree that it's when Paul had kind of left and he kind of went, did his roots already uh, in Galatia. 
uh, and did some of his missionary work, and then other missionaries came in and started challenging Paul's, challenging Paul's teachings. Uh, so most scholars would agree that this is what this is pertaining to, as Paul is trying to correct um, what some of the other missionaries were coming in and saying. And so, like I said, it, it's, it was still uncertain, uh, the years in which it, it took place. Um, it's also uncertain uh, what Paul means by the Church of Galatia. Um, was it towards the territory, um, or was it towards the ethnic Galatians? Uh, most believe uh, it to be around the same time Paul struggled with the Corinthian church, uh, and it probably pertains to the ethnic Galatians, and what that means is that they are people of like a Celtic origin, so most likely if we're going to date this or try to date this, I at least fall in the group of people that probably put it about 55 CE, um, so around that time period, so around when Paul would have been writing to Corinth and things of that nature. Um, regardless, though, whoever these uh, recipients were, uh, it was likely a response to a crisis occasioned by the people who had uh, come to Galatia uh, after Paul's departure, and they were probably Jewish Christians who were deeply um, revering the Mosaic law. And what I mean by that is they, they believed Jesus to be the Messiah. Uh, they were open to Gentiles being included in the commonwealth of Israel, but they demand that they would be circumcised in order to follow the Mosaic law. Um, and we still do this today to some degree. Um, there, I mean, there's those little nuances that are, it's a different gospel. Um, when you're following these Jews would have been converted uh, and then, you know, became Christians, but were still upholding Mosaic law, what you fall into is this legalistic, this Christian legalism. And we see it a lot here in the West now. There's a, is it Christianity or is it nationalism? Is it Christianity or is it legalism? Is it if you do this, then this happens? Or is it, this is what Christ has done, will you accept it? You know, is there a, you don't have to be circumcised and follow these laws, Christ's grace surpasses that. At the end of the day, if it's not loving God fully and giving him glory fully and it's loving your brother as well, um, it doesn't matter. That law isn't a law that honors God. It's, it's It's a law that we're trying to make God to be as opposed to whom God says that he is. And so what I mean is that we still do this today, is that it, it's applied in religion, it's applied in politics. No, you should kneel during your anthem. No, you should stand during your anthem. Um, no, you're going to hell because you're gay. No, there's no sin in homosexuality whatsoever. And what I mean by this is, are we asking ourselves, are we asking each other what and why we are doing these things and what for? Um, or, you know, and in doing so, are we asking how does this belief, how does this stance love my brother, um, my enemy. I mean, our enemy is supposed to be our brother. Christ says to love your enemies. Um, How is it loving our God? If our answer as Christians um, are built in whom Christ is to us, like whom we try to make him to be, and not whom he's shown himself to be, uh, then we'll be the same as the Jewish Christians whom Paul is trying to correct here. If your law, your virtue as a Christian cannot first and foremost love your God fully, and secondly, creation itself, then it has no place to be called God or directed by a spirit. Meanwhile, this will always be and has always been and will always exist, which is, which is why we must be patient and pursue this virtue of patience that God, uh, and as we pursue in this, um, bestows to us. I mean, early uh, medieval philosophers and theologians believed patience to be the greatest virtue of all virtues. Some even would argue, and I disagree with them, but some would even argue that if uh, Adam and Eve would have pursued God asking for patience, would they have ever fallen? Uh, that patience was something that's graced to them by God. 
uh, as opposed to the idea of pride and the impatience of finding out the knowledge of good and evil and stuff like that. So um, for a long time throughout church history, patience has been something the church has really held on to as being a prime virtue, if not the prime virtue. And my point isn't to sit there and say, like, is this the virtue of all virtues? No, my, my point is just saying recognize the, the seriousness of this and uh, how often it's mentioned throughout Scripture and how often God is bringing us back to remember whom I am, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. I, I think I said it last time. It's kind of like a very, like, Lion King, right? Remember Simba? Uh, but, like, God does that with his covenant, is that remember whom I am. Remember what I say I'm going to do because I will never fail you on my covenant. You will mess up, and you will screw up, but I will never fail. And so that's kind of the background of the Galatian uh, well, at least the book of Galatians. And the idea is that we, we really aren't sure um, the, the, the exact dates when it was written. It was probably written to the ethnic Galatian groups, so probably towards these Jewish people that had converted to Christianity that were still following Mosaic law. Uh, and that um, even later in history, in the 16th century, it was used to kind of promote this legalism or promote this, if you do this, this happens. If you don't do this, this happens. Um, so I, I say all that because we want to be careful today that as we're reading Galatians and stuff like that, that we don't allow it to become a book of legalism, but we see it as a book of freedom that Paul is trying to address here, that Paul is trying to set these Jews that came over and saying, like, that's great, and those laws are cool, but that is not what saves you. Christ does. Like, be free from that. And also, probably so Gentiles could be included in heaven. That's probably a good thing, too, in eternity. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, but <laughs> So... Uh, yeah, one of the best things is uh, to read scripture, right, and not just talk about it. So we'll be reading Galatians five sixteen through 22. Um, does anybody need a Bible, or is everybody good? Everybody good? Okay. So I grabbed one of our Bibles, so that way my translation is the same as everybody else's. Um, I believe these are the NRSV, or e- ESV. Good man, Chris. Good man. All right. So I'm going to start by reading uh, verse 16 through 22, or actually I'll go through uh, 26. Uh, And again, so even though I'm focusing just on the patience aspect, it's important that you read the context of Scripture. You don't just pick out one verse and just like, okay, this is cool, but you actually read it in its entirety. And so we're going to read verses 16 through 22, or through uh, 26 starting now. Um, But I say, uh, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. And so... um, as we go into this, Chris and uh, many others had talked about the, and Ken had talked about the, the preceding verses of um, love and joy and peace. So I'm going to try to focus on patience this week because we will continue on the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And to kind of fall in this idea of 
um, during the 16th century, people using things and using these verses to um, dis dispassionately promote legalism or promote, like, if you do this, you know, you're going to heaven. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. Um, there were people during this medieval time period uh, that were not arguing this and that were actually pursuing these virtues, were actually talking on these spiritual gifts. And one of them um, was St. Thomas Aquinas, and he's one of my favorite uh, theologians of, of all time. Um, I, just the humility that this man had, the discipline that he had. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But, like, the guy loved to love God. And so it's really, there's, there's such funny stories. Like, he was so, like, um, called to pursuing God that there's a story of that his mom was trying to hook him up with a girlfriend, and she, he, she kept on trying to bring all these girls to his room, and there's a story of him grabbing the fire out of his fire pit and chasing her out of the room, saying, give me chastity. Like, just chasing her. Um, and so, like, he was a guy that was just very devoted to his studies. And so maybe that's why I relate to him, is that he had, like, this obsession uh, of to learn and this obsession of knowledge uh, and pursuing God. And it wasn't just for the sake of him being intelligent. Like, he just wanted to be closer to God. Um, and one of the things, if you guys have the time, uh, I would recommend getting a good commentary that supplements it, but um, his Sumo Theologica is actually online for free, and you can read it. And how it's presented, which I really like, is before he can even argue a point, and this is how medieval philosophy was, before you could argue a point, you had to first articulate all the points of those that object against you. So in this instance, um, he's talking about patience. And at that time, there's three objections to patience or what it may be or what it may entail. Before he can even begin talking about what he thinks about it, he has to be able to articulate his opposer's view. And so I think about that today. Like, what if we did that today? What if before, like, and saying, like, hey, I'm going to put this Facebook meme. This will tell you that you're wrong. Instead of being like, I make sure that I'm educated and I understand where you're coming from and I see the logic or maybe see where that rational thought could be coming from before saying, you know what, I'm just going to attack you or make fun of your family. I'm going to make fun of how you look and not actually address the issue. You know, I feel like this would solve a lot of things. I mean, don't get me wrong, they were still crucifying people that they called sorcerers. So they weren't perfect. But, <laughs> but uh, there, there was there's this, this love for logic and knowledge and maybe it's because they didn't have the technology that we had. That was how you had to communicate. You had to have rational thought. You had to have logic. It couldn't just be a video that sensationalized you. It had to be something that truly um, could be connected. And so what I'm going to read on, I'm not going to go through all of it, um, just because, like I said, it can be very lengthy. But um, what Aquinas is answering is here is uh, it's under Article 3 of his Sumer Theologica, under the idea of patience. Uh, and it, the question that was proposed to him was whether it is possible to have patience without grace. And so the idea here, and it's, there's a lot of depth into like these simple sentences. Uh, and I don't want to go too far into it because that's a, I took a whole, what, quarter of a year just doing this, uh, this part of the Summa Theologica. Um, and so, and the reason being is like when he says patience, or when he says words like being or essence, he has like an entire book just on like one word of like what he means when he says this. And the reason why he does this is he calls it divine simplicity, is that he can use this word, and if you've read his previous works, you understand what this word means, so that way he can talk more freely about it, as opposed to trying to explain himself for every single step of the way. Um, and so I chose this article because it's pretty, it's pretty forgiving on that. And when he talks about patience without grace, the, what people are questioning is that can somebody have godly transcendent patience? So the ability to have charity 
And to the medieval church, what charity meant is that was, it wasn't just going out and like handing money or giving food to people. It was undeserved grace giving to other people without any benefit to you. So what Christ does, right? That he would live a life worth living and not having to die. That he would crucify himself for our benefit. He gained nothing from it. And then would be resurrected and grant us what was his reward. That kind of radical love was referred to as charity to the medieval church. And so what the question is, is that, can someone have that level of patience um, without be it that being given to them by grace or without that God-given charity? Uh, and there's people that object to it, and so first he goes against those objections, but I'm just going to read his answer and dissect that and then try to talk about how that applies to us today. Because um, this idea of patience, uh, it, there's a lot of depth to it, and there's a lot of freedom in recognizing, at least as, we'll, as I read through Aquinas, that um, it isn't something that we just have to do on our own. It's something that God literally bestows to us, and it's freedom in that, that it's not necessarily up to us in the sense of that we have to be patient, but it's up to us surrendering to God, saying that you will bestow that patience, that huge degree of charity, as Aquinas will go into. So uh, let me read this real quick, and then uh, we'll dissect it further. So in his response to, um, can you have patience without grace, this is what he says. As Augustine says, so this is Aquinas saying, as Augustine says, uh, the strength of desire helps a man to bear toil and pain, and no one willingly undertakes to bear what is painful, save for the sake of which gives pleasure. The reason for this is because sorrow and pain are of themselves displeasing to the soul. Wherefore, it would never choose to suffer them for their own sake, but only for the sake of an end. Hence it follows that the good for the sake of which one is willing to endure evils, is more desired in love than the good, the privation of which causes the sorrow that we bear patiently. Now the fact that a man prefers good of grace to all natural goods, the loss of which may cause sorrow, is to be referred to as charity, which, love God, which loves God above all things. Hence it is evident that patience, as a virtue, is caused by charity, according to 1 Corinthians 13.4. Charity is patient. But it is manifest that it is impossible to have charity saved through grace, according to Romans 5 5. The charity of God is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. Therefore, it is clearly impossible to have patience without the help of grace. So, this is a response. And again, the, the whole, like, you know, little asterisk, if you will, is that he's not making a, a giant absolute here. What he's saying is that if we dissect what he means by evil, what he means by good, what he means by natural good, what he means by cause, what he means by virtue, what he means by charity, those are all subsections of what he talks about. Um, but he's trying to give it this divine simplicity. There's still logic to it. You can follow this train of thought. Um, and so what he's trying to break down here is that he would say, and Aquinas would argue that no one willingly suffers and is patient without grace, unless it is for the benefit of pleasure. And what he means by that is that nobody is actively patient at that transcendent level of just giving fully of yourself with no reward, unless there is inevitably a reward for you, unless there is a byproduct for you. So what he's saying is, say, if you were to go to a food pantry and you're giving food and that makes you feel good, well, you've, you've done it for the byproduct. That is not a transcendent love that God has bestowed on us, you did that for the benefit of how you feel. Now, that can happen, and that's not wrong that you feel good about doing good, um, but the, what he's trying to draw here is that if you're doing that 
for the sake of getting that feeling, then it's not about God, it's about you. And if that's the case, it's not really charity, it's just worldly patience and worldly good deeds. Um, so he would say that, in our argument to that, of like, well, well, then what does godly patience look like? He would say patience, or godly patience, is not putting up with someone or helping someone knowing that it makes you feel good or that it will better you in some way or lead to some end for you. Godly patience is that of Christ, giving fully of oneself in order to glorify God, that whomever may know the Father as Christ does um, may have the byproduct of that, of getting to know him as well. But that's not um, why you're patient. Christ is. So this idea that um, patience can only come from God and his spirit Uh, And that this is a radical submission by faith that is both terrifying and soothing, uh, at least for me at the same time. Uh, And most aspects, at least of my life or walk with Christ, are. Most things that um, I I come to the understanding are out of my control or that I cannot fully do on my own terrify me. Uh, I don't like knowing how I'm going to do something. I mean, maybe this is why I have like an obsessive um, mentality towards things that like I, I have like this desire that I have to be the best at it. I have to be really good at it and stuff like that. And that's something that Chelsea showed me. You know, when we first got married, she's like, just dance and be stupid. And I was like, I, that's weird, I can't do that. She's like, that's exactly why you need to do that. You need to get over yourself. I had this insecurity that if I wasn't perfect, if I didn't know it all, if I didn't have the answer to whatever said thing, and it wasn't for the sake of sounding smart or pretentious, it was for the sake of that I wanted to help people. But at the end of the day, it really was derived in myself of, somebody knowing that I didn't know. Somebody questioning that maybe he's not as good of a guitar player as he thinks he is. Maybe he's not as good at playing Destiny as he thinks he is. Um, although yesterday we went against N. Cooch, so anyone that knows who that is, I was super, I was like fangirling. Yeah, but, Zach does. But, <laughs> but this idea of just enjoying life, and that God can bring about peace in that life, whether or not you are the greatest giver whether or not you're the best singer, whether or not, you know, you are black, if you are gay, if you are wherever you stand, God's love can transcend and overcome all things. But instead, we've allowed it to be something where we say, well, this is the God that I want. This is the God that has this law that makes me feel comfortable and I'm not vulnerable. And that was something God had to break in me is the ability to be vulnerable. And in doing so, he allowed me to be vulnerable with my wife, where she's like, just dance and be stupid, you know? And it's still hard for me now. It's still really hard for me. I mean, for for instance, I was never taught how to ride a bike, ever, growing up. And so, like, to this day, still don't know how to ride a bike. But I told her, I said, if we ever have a kid, I'm going to learn how to ride a bike. So that moment's going to come where I'm going to be extremely vulnerable again and look like a fool. But it's one of those things, it's it's a life lesson that, you know, like, I need to not put expectations of when I'm going to do these things. You know, like, okay, if this happens, then I need to be willing to do that whenever. I need to be willing to say I don't know whenever. I need to be willing to sit there and say that I, I don't know how to necessarily counsel, counsel you in this issue, but let me pray for you. Let me be there for you. Let me say that I submit to the God that says that he can grant you patience, that his grace can overcome all things, that his spirit indwells within you and within us. And if he is the God that says that he is, whether or not I fulfill my covenant as pastor or I fulfill my covenant as brother or sister in Christ, God inevitably will inevitably fulfill what he says he's going to do. 
he will do um, what his covenant says. And that's what he does all throughout the Old Testament. You know, oftentimes when we read the Old Testament, we get really upset because we're just like, God seems to be really mean and angry. But as I go through it now, I feel like I, I, there's almost like this father like just mourning for his child of just saying, please don't do that. Like, stop. Like, okay, take your hand off the oven. It's going to burn you. Oh, yep, it burned you. Uh, yeah, remember how, like, you're still messing around with that oven, but I made you food already, but you, you want to have this instead? Yep, oh, burned you again. Please stop doing that. Remember that I took you out of slavery and that I've brought you to a land of peace? Oh, yep, but you still hate me. You know, like, this is kind of what God's doing. He's, he's pleading, but if you notice in those passages, that Old Testament, he's exerting that, that patience, that thing that Aquinas would argue can only come from him can only come from God, this godly patience. And so if this godly patience, as Aquinas would argue, is called charity, um, the definition of what we have for charity today is different than what he means then. So what does he mean by this charity? And what he means is that it is, um, it's not our inclination to do good, but it's the surpassing grace given to us by the Holy Spirit to do and to will and to love as Christ does is to love God and honor him, to give him glory and good, um, and to have an endeavor as far as we can uh, to obtain all glory for him. If we are to be patient, uh, and if to suffer is to be patient, as our word is derived from the Latin, like I said earlier. um, So, yeah, if we are to be patient, to suffer and be patient as Christ was, we must align ourselves with him um, as though we... Let me try to reword this because this is a, I want to make sure I I say this accurately. Um, If we are to be patient in the suffer uh, as Christ has, we must align ourselves with him um, because in doing so, godly suffering through Christ will bring about joy, glory, hope, um, and it'll all go towards him. However, if um, our idea of suffering and patience is derived from ourselves, um, we're going to become angered, anxious, fearful, forceful, controlling, demanding, because it's not of God. And it's not saying that um, you can't ever be anxious during these times of being patient. Um, I'm not saying that you can't feel like you're suffering during these times of patience, but what I'm saying is that when those things are brought before God, and I'm sure everybody in here can attest to this, when life around you just seems like it's just falling apart and everything is wrong, and you pursue God maybe out of anger, maybe out of just like, well, whatever, this is all I got. Uh, and there's this, this over-surpassing, like, just love and embrace. I mean, you're still feeling that hurt. You're still feeling that anxiousness. Um, but there's this peace that transcends that understanding. And this is what he does, and this is what Aquinas is trying to say, is that if you go to God, who says that I give you patience as a it talks about in Romans and Corinthians and charity as being an aspect of, of patience, that his grace is an aspect of patience, um, then it's only necessary that um, God will be glorified in doing so. And when he is glorified, we are drawn to him. We, we emulate him. We act as if he acts. We move as if he moves. Uh, his spirit, which is just as present in this room with us now as if he was sitting there before us, resides in us and challenges us and moves us towards him and moves us towards that peace Uh, and maybe not perfect understanding but brings about peace that transcends our understanding and I I think about 
you know, and I'm sure many people with their kids think about this, or and I think people in general can come to this conclusion, but when I was changing Isaac two nights ago, uh, Chelsea asked me to change before I put him in the bed. Go to change him, pees all over me, pick him up, throws up all over me, lay him back down, craps all over the place. And so I was just like, dude, every orifice is just blown up. And he's just smiling at me. And I thought, like, I do that to God except I don't smile at him. I don't find joy in him. I blame him that I'm peeing all over him. I blame him that I'm throwing up all over him. I blame him that I'm crapping all over him. But when I look at my father, do I see that joy? Or am I saying, no, this is the God that I think you are? Or am I allowing myself to see him for whom he says he is? And in doing so, yeah, I may be thrown up all over the world. Life might be just literally a pile of crap, but there's joy in being in the presence of your Savior. There's joy in being in the presence of the divine. You know, I think this is why um, so many martyrs, uh, especially within the Catholic Church, they're being slaughtered, skin being ripped off of them, and they're singing praises, hymns. They're praying for the people that are hurting them. Like, that is the charity and patience that Paul is calling us to do here. He's not saying pursue being martyred. He's not saying, I'm not saying like, go outside and be like, I'm going to walk in front of this car for to be martyred for God. No, he's not saying that. What he's saying, though, is that that love, that radical love, will take you to a place where you receive no reward but to extend grace on those who harm you but to extend grace on those that would come against you, and some of them arguably murder you and martyr you off. This is what John talks about in Revelation. It is not, you know, be patient so you can get raptured up. What he's saying is, do not forget the faith. Do not surrender your belief and hope in what Christ said he's going to do. Do not forget the covenant that he will be back. He will return again. Do not submit to that. Be strong. Be patient. Trust that the Christ that gave you that gift of eternal, eternal life that is to come is going to return and do what he said he's going to do. And so I guess our challenge for this week, or what can we walk away from this sermon, um, or how do we approach the failures towards us and others? How do we embrace God's charity, patience, and grace towards us when we fail? Do we accept his grace? Do we submit Uh, and praise him for what he says? Uh, Or do we degrade him uh, by kind of making him what we think he should be? Uh, And there's an answer to this, or at least I feel there's an answer to this. And it's found in what we just read a little bit ago. And so I'm going to read it again. So in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. But Paul's answer to this is, I say, walk by the Spirit, and and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. I'm not going to go through all those uh, again, but I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. So here's our answer. How do we pursue patience? How do we get the charity that can only be given to us by the grace of God? 
is to be guided by the Spirit, to live by His Spirit, to our, allow our flesh to be crucified on that cross with Christ. Don't allow our inheritance to be what we think it to be, but embrace the grace and inheritance that Christ has given to us freely. This is a hard thing for us to grasp sometimes. Sometimes we feel like we have to justify ourselves before Christ. That, well, Jesus, you can do this, but you can't do that. That's not what Christ says. Christ says that I have done that. Will you accept it? Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Allow yourself to be broken by Christ. Sometimes I think we're shattered and we don't see the breaks. Uh, I guess that's, now that I think about it, that's a lyric from my epic. But uh, we are. We, we recognize that we, we, look at gla- we look at our lives like glass is half full, half empty, maybe nothing in it. Maybe it shouldn't be a glass. But are we recognizing that we're shattered and broken and in need of a Savior? And that God himself says, forget the whole glass. I just poured out like a keg on you. Like, I've done it all. Accept that. You don't have to do anything. It's not a matter of how good you think you are. It's a matter of what I've done. And in, in doing so, you will praise me. And as you grow closer to me, I'll pour out my grace onto you. And as I pour that grace onto you by my Holy Spirit, you will emulate these fruits of the Spirit. And you'll be given that patience that transcends that understanding. So I'll pray real quick. Uh, and then we're going to step into a time of communion. But I ask that before we, uh, or before you step into communion, that you would really um, just ask yourself, God, where is there an aspect of my life that I need to be patient? Where is there an aspect where I need to have that transcendent love that only you can give? You know, maybe it's for that coworker that just, you know, like, is against whatever political side you lean on and is just so adamantly ramming it down your throat every single day and night. Maybe God's saying, how can you love them in a way that can transcend their understanding? That they can be like, I really dislike your political views, but you know what? Like, there's something about you that causes me to be like, okay, you're not that bad. I mean, that's how my relationship with Blade began. That's how my relationship with so many people at the Oracle have begun and continue to go. Um, So ask God, you know, and maybe it may not be a particular person. Maybe just be something between you and him. But allow yourself to be vulnerable and allow yourself to pursue patience and be comfortable and, and excited that it's not up to you to have that patience. Like wisdom, God gives that to you. And so if you trust that he gives that to you, he will. Good, Chris? All right, we're going to step into communion. You want to pray real quick? I pray, I pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for um, the opportunity that we've had to even be in this building, Lord. Like, uh, as Chris said, uh, I become very attached to things and memories uh, kind of can get in the way of um, being willing to take the next step or the next risk, if you will. And Lord, I thank you that uh, you're enabling that in a way that um, is more so than what we've asked, Lord. I thank you for our brethren and sisters at the, uh, the Korean church, Lord. I thank you that uh, they're older than we are. Uh, we have a bunch of millennials, Lord, and we need people that are older, that have experienced life, Lord, that have uh, maturity and wisdom and experience that I can't fathom, Lord. I pray that we'd have ears uh, to listen to them, that we'd have the ability to help them in any way that we can, Lord. I pray that um, as we have to, as a church, from a organization standpoint, have to be patient with these moves and transitions, Lord, that more importantly, we'd be more like an organism, Lord, um, that your body would be what matters, that why we do what we do uh, is to glorify you, Lord, that we'd be patient with one another through this time, Lord, that we'd maybe be less critical on the wrong that we see in each other, Lord, but maybe more encouraging uh, and the right and the you that we see in each other, Lord. Lord, I pray that you bless this time of communion, Lord. I pray that it would 
glorify you. They don't want to just be a mere symbol, Lord, but it'd be something that we truly reflect and honor you in. That we remember that you did this of yourself wholly and freely with nothing in return uh, apart from giving us the blessing that you deserve. Lord, I pray that as we go through this week, Lord, we would pursue your wisdom, that we would pursue your patience, Lord, uh, that you wanted Lord, and to have wisdom. Lord, we trust that. This is why, because you say you give that. Lord, we thank you for these things, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, sir. All right, we'll be continuing on in this series for the next couple weeks as well. For the month of October, I'm not going to be preaching at all. We're going to have other people preaching. Up until I'm here, I claim the right to preach us out of here. Throwing that out. Yeah. Show them the door, Sam. No. Okay. Anywho. Uh, we're going to be continuing the series as we go on. But we know this as well. Scripture says that whenever the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. You see, prior to Christ's coming, God demonstrated over and over again his long-suffering and his patience to the world, towards the world. He showed his grace and his gentleness and his kindness and his, I'm going to say it again, his overwhelming patience because we sin, we fail, we ignore who God is and what he's called us to do. We rebel by our very nature and we focus on ourselves and pride. That's who we are. And God has right to ignore us, judge us, uh, deem us unworthy of his love and affection if he wants to, but he doesn't. And instead, he showed overwhelming patience from the beginning of time up till now. He demonstrated his patience towards the world, his love and his grace on the cross, his goodness and his mercy and his gentleness and his resurrection, and he still shows all of these things in our lives today because while we are being perfected by him, we still mess up regularly, right? He still demonstrates patience to us. He is being patient until he brings about the full change in our heart that will come whenever either he returns or we go to him. We remember his goodness and his patience in communion. And so as we partake in communion today, remember who your Lord is, what he has done for you, and just how much he loves you. So we know that on the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, take and drink. This is my blood, a new covenant poured out on your behalf. Do this in remembrance of me. So as you are ready, please feel free to come forward. Partake of a piece of bread, dip it in the cup of juice, and remember who your God is and what he has done. Know that we practice an open communion here at City, so anybody who is a follower of Christ is welcome to partake, regardless of creed or confession. And we thank you for partaking with us.